0: Merry Christmas, beautiful Salt Lake City. Wow, I wish I was there. There is nothing more beautiful than a white Christmas. And I know there would be nothing more beautiful than the white Christmas of Salt Lake City. Just those stunning mountains, that stunning part of the world. We are so blessed to be in Salt Lake City. What a great campus, what a great location. Pastor Vince, Becca, the whole team, are just amazing. What an amazing year we've had this year. It's been an extraordinary year and I can't believe that you know, Christmas is already upon us. Well, we're in our Christmas series, Jesus is King. Let me read a scripture and then we're going to get into this great message today. It says here in Gospel of Luke chapter 2 verse 8 it says, Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, watching their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were greatly afraid." No doubt, freaky. Angels, you know, appearing to anybody is going to be freaky, but to the shepherds who were used to looking down, into the pastures and into the fields to watch sheep now all of a sudden have something happening in the sky where there are beings floating in the sky, speaking to them, declaring that something has just taken place. And what has just taken place? Well, they're about to tell us. The angel said, "'Do not be afraid. Behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all people.'" You know, Mary had just brought forth, the Bible says, her firstborn. They named him Jesus. They wrap him in swaddling clothes and they lay him in a manger. A manger is a feeding trough for animals. Jesus wasn't born in a hospital. Jesus was born in a stable. In a stable, in an inn, but there was no room in the inn. The inn didn't have an inn for the Son of God, so they had to put him out in the barn because the inn couldn't take Him in. I'm saying all of that to say this, that when Jesus Christ was born into the world, you need to understand it almost looks like there was no place in this world for Him. We would find a place for Him many, many years later. But Jesus was born. They wrapped Him in swaddling clothes. And it sounds really nice, but swaddling cloths are milk rags that they used to clean up the milk from the cows after they milked the cows. And this is what Mary used to wrap Jesus. It wasn't really sanitized. Uh, May I just say to you that that God took an incredible risk to reach you. God was making a statement. The, The shepherds were so used to going through the doldrums, going through the motions, going through a routine systematically of leading the, sh- the sheep from field to field. And as they're grazing in this field, the shepherds are there. They have no idea. Then all of a sudden, foom, 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 Angels appear in the heavens, freaks these shepherds out. But the angels say, hey, hey, peace, don't be afraid. We bring to you good tidings, good tidings of peace from heaven toward all men. When Jesus Christ stepped into the world, you need to understand it was heaven invading earth. Earth has always been, and outside of Christ always will have, oppression, violence, injustice, abuse, slavery, dysfunction, sin, depravity, brokenness, despair. That is the default position of the world separated from God. But when Jesus Christ came in, and you can look, if you look at 2,000 years of history, every nation and every civilization that embraced Christ and embraced Christianity went into unprecedented peace, blessing, and prosperity. The British Empire that had not just embraced Christianity, but also had crowned its king, was the head of the church the Church of England, it it was the national religion. There was a time where the sun did not set on the British Empire. Today we hear a lot of negativity about colonialism and how oppressive it is, but you need to understand, when the British Empire colonized India, it, it brought prosperity to India. India, because of its religion, had four classes, The highest was Brahmins, which were priests, and the lowest was what they call the untouchables, the unclean. And these were people who were just disregarded and abused. And because of their religion of reincarnation, the worst thing you could do is ease their suffering because their, their religion told that because... They were born as an untouchable. They must have committed a sin in a past life. And, and if they really suffer really severely in this life, then they will graduate to the next level and they, they won't be. So the last thing you want to do is in any way ease their suffering. Well, because we don't believe in reincarnation, the Bible says there is appointed to a man to die once and then the judgment. We know that Jesus came, that reincarnation is a lie, that you are born again here, and when you die, you go to one of two places. And so Christianity came in and began to ease the suffering. In India, when a man died, if he was married, they threw his wife on the fire, alive to burn with her husband's corpse. So women were being burnt alive, and it was Christianity that came and brought civilization, the civil in civilization, to where there was barbaric, cannibalistic, and wicked traditions and cultures and customs. It was Christianity. It was Christianity that tamed cannibalistic nations all around the world. Wherever Christ goes, peace goes. Even on the inside of you, if there's torment, if if there's dysfunction, if there's brokenness, if there's anger and despair and bitterness and unforgiveness, you need to understand that when you receive Jesus Christ into your life, think about it. Jesus was born in a tiny town, Bethlehem, the smallest of all the towns in Israel, in the tiniest nation in the world, the nation of Israel, this tiny little speck on the world map. He was born not in a hospital, he wasn't born in a palace, even though he's the king of kings. He was born in a stable at an inn out the back, wrapped in swaddling clothes. And yet, this carpenter's son, wrapped in swaddling clothes, born in a manger, 2,000 years later, time is split in half, B.C. A.D., because he not only claimed that he was God, But he proved that he was God when he rose again from the dead on the third day, split time in half. The world's been around for a lot longer than 2019 years, and yet it's 2019 because like Buddha, like Allah and Confucius, many have come claiming that they are God, but only one got up out of the grave proving that he was God, and that was Jesus Christ. We know that Jesus is Lord. We know that Jesus is King. We know that Jesus is the Prince of Peace because the moment that you receive Him into your life, peace comes in. This was the good good news for these shepherds, that, that there was a heavenly realm that they were unaware of that had a plan for this earthly realm. And God was making an intervention. God was intersecting into the earth injecting into the earth His peace through Christ. You and I can have heaven on earth. I love Christmas because every Christmas there's just a peace, there's a joy. Everybody seems to be a little kinder. Everybody seems to be a little more generous. Family that we haven't seen come with gifts and there's love and there's laughter and there's reconciliation, there's food and, and, and just celebration. Why is that? It's because it's the time of the year. But you don't have to wait for the 25th of December. As a Christian, you can have that 365 days a year, every year. But Jesus Christ came to bring peace. Jesus Christ came to bring love. Jesus Christ came to reconcile. A lot of people think, well, Jesus came just, you know, to start a new religion. I guess God was looking down from heaven saying, Gabriel, we don't have enough religion down there. Let's start another one. God couldn't care less about more religion. In fact, God is not into religion. Jesus did not die on the cross to start a new religion. Jesus died on the cross to restore a severed and broken relationship that man was meant to have with God. When Jesus died on the cross, He died in this position. He didn't die in that position. He died in this position. He took all your sin and all my sin upon Himself and He died on the cross, and then He beckons for us to come to Him. This is the universal sign for come, come. Whenever I come home after I've been traveling and my kids, I open the front door, I drop my bags and I do this. They know exactly what that means. That means come running and hug Daddy. And they run and they jump on me and one's wrapped around this leg, one's wrapped around this leg. And they always say those three words every Daddy loves to hear. Nope, not I love you. Where's my present? And I've got to give them gifts. Uh, But anyway, but they come running. They come running because my arms are out. God died on the cross like this. And you know the most beautiful thing? When you come to God, He doesn't just say, come to me. He also has gifts for you. You can receive the Holy Spirit who comes with gifts. Christianity is the most amazing encounter Experience. Don't ever just reduce it to a religion that we can kind of say, well, you know, there are many religions in the world and Christianity is one of them. Christianity is not a relig- religion. It's an experience. It's an encounter. It's a restoration to a reality with a real God. You know, it's really interesting. In the Old Testament, there was a dispute and Moses was kind of under a little bit of criticism. They're like, hey, hey, there's a family gig going on here. Your brother Aaron is the high priest. You're the spokesperson for God. Dude, you know, God can speak to any of us. And so all these elders from all these tribes got together. And so Moses goes to God and says, God, hey, I didn't come up with the idea. I suggested Aaron, you know, because he's my brother and he's quite eloquent and I'm not. And and God says, all right, all right. Here, get him to do this. Get all 12 tribes to get a stick, break it off a tree, a branch, so it's a stick, and then write the name of the guy they think should be my high priest. Write the name of the guy they should think should be my spokesperson, saying, hey, follow me, I can lead you to God. And He says, but from the tribe of Levi, put the name Aaron. So they did that. So they got 12 sticks from the tribe of Levi. They wrote Aaron's name. And then God says, all right, bundle them and let's put them in the ark, the ark of the covenant. Let's put them in a box for three days. And after three days, let's come back. And whichever one of these sticks that have been snapped off from the tree, whichever one of these sticks is living, that's the one I've chosen. So all the people are like, okay, that's fair enough. Yeah, okay, it's level playing field. So everyone snaps off a stick. They're all kind of right there, you know, from the tribe of Manasseh and from the, the tribe of Ephraim and the tribe of Judah and the tribe of Levi. And you know, they all, all, all write their stuff. So they bundle all these sticks together, give them to Moses. He puts them in the box. Three days later, they come back and they lay all the sticks on the ground. And all the sticks are dead except for one. And it's the, the stick of Levi that has Aaron's name on it. Not only is it living, the Bible says, that it had sprouted flowers, and not just flowers, but it also produced almonds. And God was saying, that's the one that I've chosen. Now, why do I tell you that? Well, human history is a reflection of exactly that. Whatever God does on a micro level, He also does on a macro level. God did that on a micro level to Israel, but He's doing that on a macro level in the world today. See, there are many religions in the world proclaiming, hey, I'm God's spokesperson. I think I can be God's spokesperson. Whether it's Buddha, whether it's Muhammad, whether it's Confucius, they all come. And so God says, all right, all right. Well, let's snap off everybody from the land of the living. Let's snap off, put their name on, put their religion, put their philosophy, let's cut it off from, let everybody go through death. And what do we do when people die? We put them in a box called a coffin. And God said, the one that after three days, put them all down, the one that after three days is living and producing fruit, that's the one I've chosen. Jesus died on a Friday, rose again three days later on the Sunday, 2000 years later, He is still producing fruit. How do I know? Because on January 1986, I received Him into my life and my life was never the same again. I was born again and I began to find His fruit. I began to find His peace. The anger that I had in my heart began to subside to the healing power of God. His principles began to operate in my life and I began to forgive. Isn't it an amazing thing that not only Jesus Christ, just His person, but His words. This kid born in a stable, Didn't go, didn't study, didn't go to, you know, Bible college or theological seminary or study under Gamaliel like the Apostle Paul did, but was a carpenter's son. And yet, because he was the Son of God and walked with God, he loved studying and reading the Torah for himself, and he comes. Matthew seven twenty four. he says, Whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rains come down, the floods come up, the wind blows, but his house stands. But whoever hears these sayings of mine and doesn't apply them... I will liken him to a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The same rains come down, the same flood comes up, and the wind blows, but the house falls. What, what an audacious statement for a kid born in a stable, wrapped in swaddling cloths, laid in a feeding trough in the tiniest little town, in the tiniest nation, in the tiniest little speck on this planet, to have the audacity to say that whoever applies my words their life's going to be healthy, vibrant, and strong. And whoever denies my words, their life is going to end in demise. We see this throughout history again and again and again where people that have rejected Christ, rejected God, only to find that their life uh, goes downhill and goes downhill rapidly. I want you to understand that today... As you lean into God's Word, as you begin to make a decision to receive Christ's words, you will find that as Christ comes into your your heart and into your life, everything begins to change. Don't be like the French philosopher François-Marie Voltaire. François-Marie Voltaire was a revolutionary in the 1800s. He, He was so smart. He was brilliant. He was a university professor but he was arrogant and he was an atheist. And he used to love debating Christians, especially religious and ignorant Christians. And he would try to to decimate and destroy their arguments. One day, Francois-Marie Voltaire made this statement. He said, in 20 years' time, Christianity will be no more. I will wipe out the the edifice that it took 12 disciples to rear. My, My hand and my single pen will wipe out Christianity. Well, unfortunately for Francois, Francois Marie Voltaire, instead of twenty years later wiping out Christianity, twenty years later, Francois Marie Voltaire is on his deathbed, and on his deathbed, he's begging the doctor who's beside him, saying, "Please, can you give me just ten years more life? Please, I beg of you, give me ten years more life. Then I shall go to hell, and you will go with me, O Christ." O Jesus Christ, and he breathed his last. The nurse who attended him said, Never again, not for all the money in Europe would I ever again want to witness an atheist die. She was so rocked by the torment at which he died. But the story doesn't finish there. His estate was purchased by the Geneva Bible Society. And the man who said in 20 years' time, Christianity will will be no more, I will wipe it out. My intelligence, my brilliance, my pen and my hand single-handedly will wipe out Christianity. The Geneva Bible Society bought his estate and they opened his home to be the printing press where Bibles were printed and sent all throughout Europe. You see, my friend, God is not mocked, but Jesus says... If you build your, your life, your house, on my words, you build it on a rock, that when the floods come and the rains come, it still stands. This man decided to reject the words of Jesus, died in torment, and even His declarations and, and His bold and arrogant statements were washed away by the hand of God. Are you walking with God? Are you connected with God? Friend, I've got to tell you the greatest thing that ever happened in my life was the day that I received Jesus Christ. Not only did I receive forgiveness, not only did the flood of God's love wash over me and His peace fill me, but I need you to understand that God directed me to His Word and His Word began to rebuild my life. His Word began to bring strength into my life. All of a sudden my life began to, to build, my life began to flourish. There was so much brokenness and devastation and dysfunction. I didn't know how to be a husband. I didn't know how to be a father. Heck, I didn't know how to be a proper son. I didn't know how to be a good employee, let alone a good employer. There was just so much brokenness. My father ran away from home when he was 14, and and he did the best that he could, but dysfunction breeds dysfunction. But the day I received Jesus, I began to read His Word, the Bible. And as I began to to pour myself into the Bible, I began to find peace, and I began to find wisdom, and I began to find hope, and I just made a decision. You know what? I'm going to build my life on God's Word. I'm going to build my life on what God is saying. And i got to tell you, friend, 34 years later, the greatest decision I ever made was to build my life on Jesus' words. Jesus' words have single-handedly caused my life to sustain and withstand the storms, the floods, and the tempest that blows. We can't change what's on the outside. All we can do is secure what's on the inside. I want you to know that Jesus Christ is a rock. Jesus Christ is an anchor. Jesus said about His Word, He said, Heaven and earth will pass away, but My Word endureth forever. Build your life on something more certain than the sky above you and the ground beneath you. Build your life on the Word of God. You know, I'd love to take a moment to pray with you right now. The greatest thing you can do, my friend, is open your heart to Jesus Christ. I'm not asking you to join a religion. I'm asking you to open your heart to God's saving plan. Jesus Christ came, born in a stable, almost like He's not meant to be in this world, almost like there was no place for Him. There was a place for Him. Wood that they used to build a stable, they also used wood to build a cross. The Romans used it to execute criminals. And Jesus, who was completely innocent of all crimes, three times He was examined, three times. Pilate, I find no fault in this man. Caiaphas, I find no fault in this man. Herod, this man has done nothing deserving of death, and yet here is Jesus, an innocent man, dying on a cross. Why? Because God was giving His innocence to you and I and he was taking our sinfulness and wickedness, all of our shame, all of our guilt, and putting it on Jesus. The day you receive Christ, he washes away your sin. All my guilt, all my shame, all my uncleanness, everything I've ever done wrong, every violation, every transgression washed away. I gotta tell you, all the money in the world can't buy that kind of peace. Can't buy. The weightlessness of a clean and clear conscience to know that all my guilt, all my shame has been washed away. That's what Jesus Christ did. So, we're not asking you to join a religion, we're asking you to receive God's plan of salvation, to receive His forgiveness, to receive His peace, His power, and His blessing in your life. Let Him deal with the stuff. Maybe you're addicted. Maybe you've done stuff that you're ashamed of, that you you feel too uh, embarrassed to talk to people about. I've got to tell you, let Jesus Christ in. He'll begin to wash. He'll begin to cleanse. He'll begin to forgive. He'll begin to renew. In just a moment, I'm going to invite Pastor Vince, our amazing campus pastor, to come on up. And he's going to give you an opportunity to respond. He's going to get everyone to bow their head and close their eyes and. If you know I'm talking to you today, all I want you to do when He gives you the opportunity is just raise your hand. No one's looking around. Every head's going to be bowed. But raise your hand and say, hey, that's me. I want to receive Christ. Yep, I want that peace. I need that forgiveness. It's Christmas. Jesus didn't die to start another religion. He died to repair a broken relationship. And that's why the angels were saying, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. God is not angry with you. God is in love with you. He wants you to come into His family and enjoy His peace and His love. Amen. Amen. Let me pray and then Pastor Vince is going to come. Father, I thank you for these beautiful people. And I ask today that hearts would be changed. Lives would be eternally saved. Lord God, today that people would experience the forgiveness and the magic of Christmas, which really is Jesus Christ, His peace, His power, and His presence. I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, Vince. We love you. God bless you, church. Merry Christmas.